take two. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Really a cool word to use. That right there is a logical fire. This will all make sense in a little bit. <laughs> Paul, it's for you. Welcome back to Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and I'm here as usual with Andre. Uh, what's that? And Paul. Hello. And Aaron from last time. Trying to get Hello. that Toby number. And a lot of feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made that. I made it. And braving the no girls allowed sign in the basement, <laughs> we have Valerie and Madeline in her first appearance. Hello. Hi. And this is episode number 25. I don't know, wow. how, we, I don't know how we got here, but... It's it's been a long road. Yep. We're here now, now we can yeah. rent a car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too old a Jordan. It is. Um, if you've been listening to us ever, which is probably not, uh, we're here to talk about some music and some news. Uh, a couple things happening this week, and I'm just blowing this intro all the shit, so let's <laughs> go into the news. <laughs> was that breaking news? Or <laughs> that was. Uh, Lauren Hill's going to jail. Um, soul songstress Lauren Hill has been sort of out of the news for a while, is back in it. Um, she basically didn't pay taxes for, I'm guessing, like six years. Coming up on like almost a million dollars in back taxes. Made a deal that she could pay it back if she basically sold some songs. Made a good bit of money off the songs, but it wasn't enough, so now she's going to jail for three months. So it seems that the miseducation of Lauren Hill was actually true. Free L Boogie. See, I think that all Lauren Hill needs is like a better lobbyist because GE hasn't paid taxes in way longer than six years. <laughs> They're not going to Wesley Snipes is a list. True story. True. True story. Paul? Paul. I do not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, The National on Cinco de Mayo decided to play their song Sorrow for six hours straight on repeat at MoMA's PS1 in Brooklyn. And on top of that, they're releasing an LP of the whole thing if you all want to listen to it. Um, I got to think that's about like uh, listening to John Cage a whole lot. But <laughs> <laughs> How 
if you want to, it's there. <laughs> Who knows? But you could just watch it all online right now. I think it's online. Yeah, uh, they're going to release an LP album, but if you wait another month, I think Andre and I are going to do a recreation of it down oh, here in, yes, the in the basement. In the basement. So, yeah. Kevin, Rock what would that sound like? <laughs> You'll have to pay to find out. <laughs> so, if you guys are familiar with Swedish metal act Ghost BC, and you're also into things like butt plugs and dildos, <laughs> Ghost BC is selling a dildo shaped like their front man. It comes as part of the Phallus Mortuous Ritual box set. Um, not sure how much it's going for. Oh wait, sorry, two hundred dollars. Oh wow! So wow, that's not bad. curious to know how many people have uh, taken in on that. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> a, I'm like, it's a dildo shaped front man. Yes, front man shaped like a the, dildo. The dildo, <laughs> the dildo looks like the front man. Okay, it's, as oh, a lead vocalist, I'm comfortable saying so that most front men are shaped like dildos. <laughs> So act mold- like dildos. It's not molded off of his own penis. No, no, no. Oh, okay. The, 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 the head of it is look has his it's face. His- it's it's statuary. <laughs> is it phthalate free? BPA it does not have that information. I don't know. All right. So, just in case my mom's listening to this podcast. Hi, mom. Is this as uncomfortable for you as it is for me? Okay, uh, well, speaking of uh, racy things, David Bowie has a new video for The New Day, title track off his new album, and uh, it has a rather unprecedented, well, almost unprecedented claim to fame. It is the sixth video to ever be banned from YouTube. I have the list. It is illustrious. Britney Spears, Give Me More. You may have seen a video for that on YouTube that wasn't Chris Crocker, but in fact... There was a video that Britney made that you didn't see, a little too racy. Also, Madonna, Girls Gone Wild, whatever. Uh, MIA, Born Free, the uh, Government Hunts Down the Gingers video. Rihanna, S&M, hi mom. Uh, And The Naked and Famous, The Sun. So, David Bowie, The New Day, has joined that list. Wouldn't they get freaky with synths? Like, just like a Korg, they went all... Never mind. See, I have a problem with that list, because, like, how many of those artists are, like, awesome? <laughs> like, David Bowie. <laughs> that's the list. And that's it. it, it Rihanna, <laughs> Rihanna's awesome at times. It's, it's, uh, it's a sharp decline. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I'll I've never forgive her for what she did to Matt Kemp. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, for for those of you who did have not seen the band video, because, you know, it's it was banned from YouTube, you can find it. But it's only two and a half minutes long. It's got Gary Oldman and Marianne Cotillard, and there's blood, and there's boobs, and there's priests so, so and Jesus figures. How, wait, how does that get banned? And like the new Flaming Lips video doesn't. Is the new Flaming Lips video on YouTube? I think it is, and there's just dong I thought they were. I thought, there's, there's every every part of a person you want to see. I, I thought everywhere. that like them and Sigurós were hosting their videos elsewhere. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I would be surprised if that's on YouTube, because you're not supposed to do nudity on YouTube. Right. That's for XTube and the rest of the internet. And honestly, what I, other think sites the, you say? <laughs> I think that the boobs are probably the only reason that video got banned. So not the stigmata? Then? No, no, no. The, the, like, the, the, like, fountain of blood coming out of the stigmata. <laughs> On to the woman whose breasts are showing. I think that was the part. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure Peter Greenaway directed that movie. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, speaking of videos, there's videos circulating uh, of a report of uh, rapper Danny Brown. Uh, a recent show in Minneapolis um, got, uh, I don't know how I should put this. Don't Sir- listen, Mom. Plug your ears. <laughs> was, was serviced by a fan um, mid-song, uh, and it's stirring up controversy because some people are considering a sexual assault. Some people like uh, Brown, who has since deleted the tweet, though, in a response to Kendrick Lamar, says he didn't miss one beat. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hello. <laughs> so, uh, is this the future of rock? Should yes. we expect that at Rock and Roll Hotel when he plays? Uh, he already played. Oh, darn. And BYT, I'm sure that will be the review. They're <laughs> <laughs> still on the air. They will nah, <laughs> go on with that. This is uh, the Mother's Day episode. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and other news to make you feel old uh, PJ Harvey's Rid of Me turns 20. And in Prince's Dick this week, he's not. But apparently, uh, as they lay down, frontman Tim Lambesis is not only a dick, but he's stupid. He, <laughs> him and his uh, wife were estranged. They, they're now divorced, and he decided that he wanted to have her killed. So he went to an undercover detective and said, detective said, whoa, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Or I'm guessing the music was something like, ah! Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So that's the news uh, for this week, and uh, let's get into some albums. The name of that song is Dream Captain. The name of that band is Deer Hunter, and it's from their new release, Monomania. Uh, if you don't know Deer Hunter, they are based in Atlanta, Georgia, fronted by uh, frontman Bradford Cox, who is considered to be an all-around freak, I guess. <laughs> this by is, whom? I don't know. This is, this is their sixth album proper. Uh, Microcastle was probably the first time a lot of people heard of them, or it was the first time they really broke uh, ground into the uh, indie scene proper, I guess. Uh, Cox also goes by the name Atlas Sound, has been doing a little bit of that, but now they are back. Uh, and Madeline is here to tell you a little bit more about them. So, as Kevin said, this is their sixth album. Personally, this is the first Deer Hunter album that I even care about. Every other one has been sort of lackluster. Um, in my opinion, the first two songs are a little shaky. The third song, The Missing, is where it really kicks in. Um, interestingly, Bradford Cox doesn't even sing on that track. It's Locket of uh, Lotus Plaza. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting that it's the first song of the album that really kind of catches your attention. And then, in my opinion, you know, stays strong through Pensacola and Dream Captain and all of that. And then around Monomania which is, of course, the title track. Mm-hmm. You kind of get lost in it, and not until he starts singing Mono, Mono Mania do you yeah. know that it's the title track. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of picks up again towards the end, the last uh, track or two, and then kind of lets off. Um, 
it's been getting a lot of great reviews from Pitchfork and Spin and um, all those different outlets, but doesn't seem to be a fan favorite in the chunky uh, <laughs> in the chunky pack. Other well, than well, mine, I mean, other than mine, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, the, the title track "Monomania" actually with his uh, shouting "Send me an angel." Originally, I thought they were covering the Scorpions, like "Send me an angel," so, <laughs> which was a great song. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Yes, no I way. long for the days there, of the Scorpion. There's nowhere to go. With that. Um, I think. Um, Please tell us about White Snake as well. <laughs> well, here I go again. Oh. <laughs> um, Never mind. That's nice. That's nice. Um, like, I I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Well, what, are, what are what what do people? What are they saying that they like about well, this so Well, I mean, much, I right? mean, so, so like, w- as with all things, uh, I generally, like, am missing the context of Deer Hunter. Um, I never, I mean, I, I know of Michael Castle, and I know of, I know of all their albums, but I never paid attention to them because it was just like, blah. Then all of a sudden, this comes rolling down the pipe, and people are losing their fucking minds. Well, well, to be fair, people lost their minds over Halcyon Digest as well. Did they? Yeah. yeah. They well, did. Uh, okay. Like the so, same people yeah, who are losing yeah. their minds over so, this and lost and their and minds. And, and that's Digest. the context that I'm missing because, like, uh, I obviously didn't. Yeah. Um, I don't think that this album is making new fans. I disagree with that just okay. because after their Fallon performance, I think that a lot of people mm-hmm. were like, Oh my God, I've never heard of this band. Let me check them out. And a, th- that actually got them a lot more ears than they had had yeah. before. They're not a band that you're going to see on like The Tonight Show or anything. I, and- I, I will defer to that because I don't pay attention to who's playing on the <laughs> on the late shows. Until Fallon takes over The Tonight Show. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the, the, the Fallon performance, I don't watch the late night talk shows either, but it... There was so much buzz about it that I went and I watched the video and I was, and I had listened to Deer Hunter before. I'd seen Deer Hunter open for Spoon and I liked Deer Hunter, but I was not an ardent fan. But that performance, that singular performance on Fallon just pulled me in. I was like, I need to listen to the album. I need to see this band, you know. Well, it's also to do with the fact that Bradford Cox himself is sort of a character. He's currently wearing a leopard mm-hmm. print t-shirt uh, every show and wearing and a wig. wig and so I remember a lot of the headlines after that late night performance were Bradford Cox dressed as a woman so I think he himself pulls people in well, well he used to oh. wear dresses um, but the but the new like starting with that Fallon performance he's been wearing this dark wig and it looks very sort of like you know 70s rock and but he had taped up he had bandaged up his fingers to make it look like he had severed fingers and yeah you were <laughs> telling me about that and I was like what the fuck are you talking about it was like, freaking crazy I, I read that that had to do with I think his dad had hurt his fingers like the night before and he did that as like a tribute to so his dad so he has dad. Well, well let me apparently yeah. he's a very nice guy you should want to know Bradford let, let me ask though is is more of the appeal than um, a performance art appeal rather yeah, than a musical yeah. I appeal. I definitely say so. I think okay. so. So you, you saw the show, Madeline, at, right. at Six and I, mm-hmm. and, and, I mean, was it a good show? I thought it was a really good show, yeah. And Some you, people were complaining about the sound being off. Sound was um, Yeah, people complain about that. But, but, I mean, 
mean, they were also pretty late, and so people were tired and everything. But it was a it was a pretty good show and all. I, I need I need to say this. Okay, they opened the doors more than an hour late because Deer Hunter had not shown up yet. Like they were not there for sound check or yeah. anything. They sound checked <laughs> on stage in front of a sold out audience. Like. And they kept going, are we ready? Bradford's like, okay, are we ready to go? And they hadn't even set up the drum kit yet, you know? (laughs) Well, I was outside when the van pulled up, and they said that they got, there was an illness, so that's why they were delayed. Don't know how much I believe that story, but... (laughs) Harold! But I I was underwhelmed by the performance. I was really looking forward to it, because I really liked the album, and I liked the Fallon performance. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit... Let down, but it was all. It's also the beginning of their tour cycle, right. so you know the next time they come to town, I'm sure they're going to be great. Well, I also didn't pay for that show. I got a free <laughs> ticket, so that makes all the difference. I, yeah, it's funny you said Spoon because I mean, I mean when I listen to this, uh, I mean it's, it's what I hear is a band that is, um, and it, and sort of what, I wanted to go down with what, what Paul said is like it's the performance, it's the celebrity of it, and it's the oh my god, it's this freaky like in quotes rock star. Uh, moves because like they, they do. There's songs in here. The first, uh, some th- actually two of them, I think. Uh, Leather jacket and then the last song sound exactly like Spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the one we just played. Sounds like Bowie. I mean, that could have been off a of hunky dory. That sounds like a pavement song to me. Yeah, or pavement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so like I, I'm I'm I listen to this and I try to find the band's identity and I can't. Yeah, that's what I had a hard time too. And well, and the problem is it, it sounds so different than what they've done before, too. Oh, like, is it? So yeah. uh, this doesn't sound like Halcyon Digest. It doesn't sound like Microcast. You can hear the voice in there, right. but I think that they play around a lot stylistically, and that's what what I was trying to get at with how much of this is a performance piece and how much of it is the music. Mm-hmm. Like, does the band have an identity, or does the lead singer have? A constantly shifting identity. Well, and that that's the music it. comes along and, with. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, if and we we were talking about of Montreal earlier, and I think they're sort of in the same boat. I mean, I, I mean, I don't consider anything of Montreal has done, like almost ever, uh, to be good to listen to. But as artists, yeah. like they're doing something, and and then that matters. But. Um, yeah, they made a good album. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's interesting that the album is all over the place in terms of um, like stylist uh-huh. stylistically and theme wise because Monomania, the title, is about uh-huh. being obsessed with one thing, uh-huh. and so the fact that every well, song and, see, is like that's just, sort of but that's just fucking genre. clever. That's Bradford Cox being like, yeah. look how clever I am. It's like you're not that clever. <laughs> well, can I, I can I just jump in here? I mean, I, I'm sorry, but this is a giant shrug to me. I mean, there are some really good moments here and there. Pensacola, uh, THM, Sleepwalking. I like punk. I don't think I'd made the spoon light connection well, uh, there. Punk is also more Velvet Underground, too. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I wanted to get at. Because at the end of the day, I don't go to a record store to buy feather boas or wigs <laughs> or a leopard print t-shirt yeah. or dresses. Like, it's 2013. You go to the store next None door. of that is yeah. crazy to me in 2013. Yeah. And so if, if I'm going to put down my 15 bucks or whatever it is, I want something that I'm going to walk away from caring about. Yeah. And there are moments here and there on this record that 
I enjoy. They're, it sounds like they're having fun. And that's great if you're a band that's releasing your debut album. Yeah. But this is Deer Hunter. This is Bradford Cox. This is not the first time in the minor leagues. This yeah. is somebody who's been doing this for a while. And, to, I mean, again, it's eclectic is yeah. one way to look at it. But if you're channeling the Velvet Underground and Tom Petty and yeah. Spoon and all of these other things and... I mean, is is there is there any one of these songs yeah. you'd run out in traffic to hear? I'm gonna I'm gonna I wouldn't bring it back to the title because if if the, he's if there's one thing that Bradford Cox is obsessed about, it's music, and I agree. Not himself. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I mean, no, I mean, and you can go read interviews with him because he suffers from Marfan syndrome, which is a very rare condition that leads to being very tall and having very long arms and ligaments, but other like systemic problems and he always felt like an outcast and you know was isolated and the music was pretty much what he had and that was like his outlet and he is like singularly focused on music and but it's but that doesn't necessarily mean it's one kind of music i agree that this is very different from the last several albums um but i think that's why there's so much buzz about it because it has all these other influences in there, and I think that makes it a lot more accessible to people who wouldn't ordinarily listen to Deer Hunter. Well, but as I, talented I as he is, if he's singularly focused on music, and this is this band's sixth album, and this isn't even his only project, shouldn't this album be excellent? I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. I've heard anyone in this room right now say. Yeah, I love well, this. Well, I put it on, and I couldn't stop listening. Hold on, to it. hold on. Let me, let me jump in there real quick. Just that that. It only the album only has to be excellent if that's what you're going for. If in this new, well, no, I'm, 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 and I'm saying this serious. I, I, I'm saying this seriously. Yes. Today, artists can make a lot more money off of constantly touring and packing the house every time. And if he's created a cult of personality yeah. and a buzz around yeah. this, it doesn't matter how much he sells on iTunes and how. So many you're saying he's not talented then? Oh, I'm saying he's talented. I'm saying he may be more interested in packing the house at a constant tour than he is in trying to push his iTunes buzz. If he's getting buzz off of Fallon, if he's getting buzz off of, off of everybody reviewing it well, and he's selling out every show on the tour, that is a better path to a self-perpetuating career in music right now than selling a few more albums. But we've talked about a lot of things that don't have anything to do with creating great music and it's i don't mind anybody else liking this like to each his or her own that's wonderful we're all gonna have different tastes but at the end of the day you go on fallon once per album cycle maybe twice you go on tour once maybe twice don't you want to go on tour and be playing something every night that's excellent well would you rather listen to this and listen to him do my sharona for 45 minutes I'm honestly not sure the answer to that question. Let's answer that after we hear Pensacola.
Pensacola, what was the question? Uh, my Sharona? Would you rather listen to Monomania rather over him doing My Sharona on stage for 45 minutes as he's done before? Question. Will he have a Muppet next to him? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. If that's the, the next route he goes with and his performance. And if so, are. which Muppet? Just saying. <laughs> Things to think about. Uh, yeah, no, um... Yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, I mean, it's something that I, that is, I mean, like Paul said, I mean, that, that is the way you make music these, or make money these days. Career, um, yeah. You know, it's a career. It's like, I could give a shit about his life story. It's like, like, I'm listening to his music and judging him on his music. We're not even judging him. I'm like, I'm saying, is this music good or is it bad? And I guess the, the uh, I don't know, like, always on YouTube, culture, whatever you want to call it. Like, we care a whole lot about these personalities that aren't, I mean, and I'm going to sound old and everybody should get off my lawn at this point, yeah. but like, yeah. compared to, say, the Stones, whether they're making Exile or... That's different <laughs> from when? Yeah. <laughs> no, but, 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 I, but I mean, compared to the, a time like when, when like Rock and Roll was birthed, and, and it's appropriate that it was like this, that uh, these actually were personalities, um... It doesn't really, you know, you're like, uh, who is it, Passion Pit? Like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> hey, how do we I get agree. on to Passion No, because, it, because, because it's the same thing. It's, he's all like, I can't tour because I'm so, like, addicted to drinking. It's like, you know what? There's so is a lot, lot of other people. Yeah. <laughs> like, so is a lot of other people. And they haven't made the money off of making mediocre music that you have. So, suck it up. <laughs> There was my passion pit rant. Yeah. <laughs> Not expecting it's that an one. old man. On mode. that yeah. note. <laughs> On that note. On that note. Lady, you shot me.
right, so these days, all the rage is, uh, you can call it neo-soul, you can call it revisionist soul, you can call it whatever you want, uh, but people are making soul music, that, the type of soul music that they used to make, um, that particular song was made by a man called Sean Michael Tillman, otherwise known as Harmar Superstar, the song is Lady Who Shot Me, the album is Bye Bye 17, um... Mr. Tillman has actually been. <laughs> we're getting, you'll know why we're laughing in a second. Um, he's been kicking around for a while since the mid '90s. Uh, he's in some garage bands in, in the '90s. Uh, sort of slowly slipped into the R&B vein. Uh, performed his Shanana before landing on this uh, pseudonym of Harmar Superstar. He um, Often ends up naked at his shows, or mostly naked, as Madeline can attest, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little <laughs> later. To block it out of my memory. Uh, which she'd, she'd imagine not. a man who looks like Ron Jeremy yeah, in the seventies yeah, getting yes. naked on the stage. So yeah, so he looks more like Ron Jeremy now. Yeah, a, a, a striking resemblance to Ron Jeremy. Um, We've lost Madeline. Start, started out doing just doing it himself with the laptop, and then now he's got a more fleshed out band. He has played in bands like Gangs. Uh, he's an integral member of that. Uh, and he has uh, worked with Josh Tillman. I mean, uh, J- is it Josh? No, this is yeah, Josh. Yeah, Josh Tillman. Josh Tillman, yeah. Otherwise known as Father, Father John, John Misty. Misty yeah. uh, when we first encountered him, uh, he was actually opening for Father yes. John Misty and uh, Mr. Misty was playing on drums. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So, <laughs> let's just kick it to Madeline here. <laughs> <laughs> How'd your mom enjoy the show? Yeah. <laughs> My mom found it very comical. We we had a lot to talk yeah. about after. Um, I still text her every now and then. I'm like, can't believe Harmar has eight thousand likes on Facebook. Yeah. Who likes this guy? Yeah. So you know, you know, you, you know that he he he's actually and like a Nashville type songwriter, but in L.A. Yeah. yeah so he's written songs and and like I haven't heard the songs, but uh, written songs for like Jennifer Lopez and Kelly Osbourne. Uh, most famously, he wrote a song for uh, Britney Spears called Tall Boy that got rejected because it was too awesome. Yeah. And, and, then I, he, and then he recorded I, it on his own. And he recorded it on his own and played it, and that's when most of the clothes came off. Yeah. It was just like this anger strip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kevin, you mentioned he's playing with a fuller band now, but I swear I heard some of those beats when Andre was playing on a 30-year-old keyboard oh. in Justin's basement a few months ago. <laughs> it may have happened. See, I don't see how you can equate beats to this, Paul, because this is like, this is a man's true feelings. Yeah. This is how he feels about life, love, and, and honestly, like, as an album about L.A., I'll put this up with Father John Misty's. Uh, it's no, 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 you're not, you're not, no. See, no, no. see. Also, everybody's because... got true feelings. Most of them don't need to be expressed on record. <laughs> I'm half half serious about this. I mean, on this album, I mean the the other album is, is a little more comical. This he actually goes for uh, a real. Is there a cat? Yeah, no. Uh, he goes for <laughs> bright light. Yeah, he he goes for a real. Uh, he wrote some damn good songs for this. Well, this is the first album where it was, you know, consistently the same concept. Yeah. It was just this kind of neo-funk Motown kind of thing. Whereas yeah. other albums, it was just this barrage of, like, sensuous R&B, let's get sweaty kind of thing, mixed yeah, with, yeah, like, yeah. weird <laughs> stuff, you know? Like, I kind of, you know, think put him in the same category as, like, Ween. 
You know, a little like, bit. Like, kind of comical. It's kind of weird. It kind of goes all over the place. But then, the reason I thought of Ween is because then, like like Ween, they made a country album all of a sudden. Right. It was the first time they ever made an album where all the songs were kind of similar. 12 Country Golden Grapes. Yeah, and it was a great album. And But I guess the thing comes is, like, um, this is the first time Harmar Superstar has ever, like, made an album where it all kind of goes together. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, here's my Motown you know, yeah, funk and, album kind and, of, and I mean, there's a song, there's a song in there that, like, at first the title, it, it sort of like really threw me off. Is like something like "Hit Me Like Your Daddy Did," or yeah, and and it was, and I listened to the song, I'm like, holy shit, like, and that's where I get into like, it's a comment on L.A. in this soul thing, and then Paul's like, no, it, when was the last time you were in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> uh, four years ago. Yeah. Okay, so, it's a comment on L.A. I'm just saying. Just comment on what I picture LA. Okay, there we go. How about that? Yeah. Sorry, SoCal. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not taking yeah, this yeah. comment I, on I, LA. I knew, I knew how this was going to go. Um, Aaron, how does this make you feel? Well, uh, it depends on which part of it we're thinking about. If we're just talking about the music, I give it like a solid A minus. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about the vocals, I'll give it a B to a B minus. If we're talking about the lyrics, um, I don't have anything particularly charitable to say about a good <laughs> a good chunk of this record. Like I, I think that's the part that really kind of threw me off was I'm listening to it and I'm like, yeah, this band is kicking. This is this is great. And I'm hearing the vocals it's like, yeah, this guy's going for it. And then I start actually dialing in on the lyrics, and I'm like, yeah. is he fucking with me? Like, what's yeah. going on here? And that's that was kind of the similarity. Where so I kind of thought of Ween as well, where it's like you focus in on it, and you're like, okay, well, you know, because he has this joking nature to his whole persona that he's created, you're like, okay, well, am I supposed to take this seriously, or is this a <laughs> oh just a one big joke? And that's almost maybe insulting to the genre of music then to some degree. Like, well, I, do you think you're better than this music that you can almost kind of by emulating it, you can right, say that you're right, better right, than right, it. Right. it. And that was the only reason that, I, and I know there was a lot of that criticism of Ween when they did the same thing with this country album, but the difference with them that people went back to is they said, well, Oh, Ween went to Nashville and played with right. Nashville musicians right. and wrote these songs that were crazy, but, and, but they were country albums. But he just went and played with Spoon, some guys from Spoon and The Strokes, and yeah, you know. And, right. and that when that was kind of the part when I kind of started to think about it a little more, I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if people would actually find this almost insulting in a way. I don't. I'm putting the question out there just to see how people feel about it. I think it's a it. fine question. You know? I, I couldn't. I couldn't help but wish that Beck were doing some of these yeah. songs. Sure. You know, I, I felt like. Beck has a way of doing something that's intentionally funny, but that avoids that yeah. exact thing that you're talking about, that queasiness of... So, so okay, do you think this you... is Deborah the album? No. God, no. <laughs> no, because, I mean, that's that's what I was getting at, is if Beck's going to do Deborah, yeah. it's going to be over the top, I'm trying to be funny, but I'm also going to kill it like yeah. i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna do the hell out of this but i'm also gonna make it a little sleazy and a little funny in a way where i'm winking as i'm doing a spin move and getting yeah. helped off yeah. the stage and having a cape <laughs> thrown on me exactly yeah no, and that was the only thing that i had a hard time with kind of digesting it because I, I i was in the same boat i liked the music i liked the singing it was just like 
but because of the personality that he's created around it, it's like I'm not quite sure how I'm supposed to react to this. You know, it's like I'm almost like uncomfortable because then I thought that and I'm like, okay, well, maybe other people are thinking that too. And if I say, oh, I really like this, they're like, well, fuck you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That guy's just, you know, playing a joke on all these great artists by saying like, oh, look, I can do this better than they could do it, you know? Just as well. I don't don't think he's playing a joke on them, but I I do think he he is um, not fully committing. Mm -hmm. I actually love this album. Because, I mean, I think it's hilarious, and I think it's hilarious what he's doing with it, and I don't... I don't take it serious. He takes it seriously enough to execute on making it good. Um, some lyrics well aside, definitely some well lyrics made, aside. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he does. No, I think all. he does. I, I, I think like, he does. It's it is the opposite of good. No. Yeah. We already discussed this. So. <laughs> wow, that was. This album is terrible. I wouldn't have listened to it more than once yeah. if you hadn't assigned it for this podcast. <laughs> Well, let's make you listen so to Prisoner yeah. again. How do you feel about this, Paul? About the same. <laughs> All right. So, White Snake's made a stop in the basement. Yeah. That was live. Yeah. In case anybody wouldn't know. Uh, let's hear Prisoner and make Paul angry.
right, so there seems to be some spirited discussion about the merits of this. Uh, I mean, Paul, why the fuck do you hate fun? I mean, we know you hate fun. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, man? I, I, I like actual fun. No, this is this actual fun. fun. No. If no, you were saying if you saw him like walking down, like no, no, no. show on the street. So if no, you- no, no, no. What what I specifically said was <laughs> if I was drunk. On Frenchman Street in New Orleans, and this was the random band that I saw in a bar, I'd probably come out of there saying, this was a great show, but I wouldn't buy the CD on the way out the door. I basically equated him with a third-rate funk band in New Orleans. And what's wrong with that? Nothing. If I'm in New Orleans drunk on Frenchman Street, if I'm Uh, listening to an album, I'll listen to something different. Paul is not going to listen to this album again. I'm going to say that like, I was put off by the personality before I even heard the album and then I heard the album I was like what this fat guy with no shirt on like makes his music look all you people as a chubby man I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say you're just hating because the man has a few extra pounds I've got a few extra pounds I'm still hating and and you don't take your shirt off all the time when you're at work enough I guess for me, the bottom line is this guy hitting a treadmill is not going to make him a better lyricist. So when it all, when it all, when you boil it down, it's like, okay, you like funk and soul and you wanted to make a funk and soul record. That's great. You wanted to go up to the microphone and sing from your heart. That's great. Hire a fucking ghostwriter. Yeah. Hire a ghostwriter. But he's a songwriter. Yeah, he's a songwriter. This is is not, this is a 10, that's my point. It's a 10 year deep career. His lyrics are terrible on this album. Like they never get better than like, Oh, uh, you could have edited that. <laughs> I find them strangely yeah. appropriate, but yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Some devil horns, people. <laughs> Cards outside. Aaron's gonna dance on it or something like that. <laughs> All right. So on uh, that note, let's hear some more pop. Churches and uh, that's, that's a man by the name of Michael Cronin. Uh, the album MC2, it's his second solo, solo album. The name, uh, the song is shouted out. I can't speak. Uh, Cronin is a multi instrumentalist who uh, he's been just playing forever. Most famously, uh, for all you kids out there, he is the bass player and backup singer for Ty Siegel. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so uh. 
on this album and on all of his solo albums, uh, I think equating him to Jeff Lynne's work is not like a wrong thing to do. Um, and it's very, uh, it's, it's a very poppy. Everybody okay? She coughed into my buttocks. <laughs> um, I believe that's the title of the podcast. <laughs> Seem like Assetarian. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I mean, calling this power pop, I mean, to me is a little weird because, I mean, it is just, it's it's almost like pure pop. I mean, there, there's some fuzz to it. There's some, yeah. there's, it gets aggressive when it needs to, uh, and it doesn't, it sort of shies off when it, it needs to be quiet. Um, for me, uh, even just based on the track, that's what I wanted the Telekinesis album to be, uh, which we talked about in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is less fussy, more focused, better written um, music that like you should listen to instead. So that's what I think. So anyway, what is anybody else? I Valerie? oh, I've personally was underwhelmed by this album. Okay. I think it's I think it's a good summer album. I can see no myself, Bradford Cox. It's not Bradford Cox. Um, I can see myself driving around DC with the windows down, listening to it, but it's not something that I'm ever going to fall in love with or put in my top 10 at the really? end of the year. I don't, unless, unless it's a grower and, you know, I, I will, I will say it, it actually is a grower because like I, um, there, there, there has been massive hype about this and I usually react well, very badly I was looking to this. really forward to it because of all the hype and then I listened to it. And the first it. time I heard it, I didn't get like all the hype, but the more I've listened to it over the past few weeks, it's just like, whoa. I'm... I just have to butt in and disagree. I honestly, I had never heard of this guy. I The only thing I knew was that NPR was streaming it, and one of my friends was like, wow, this album's great. Literally, that's all I had heard, and I don't trust her opinion all the time. But, oh. <laughs> but, Susie wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We disagree about lots of bands, <laughs> just like you and I do. But when I listened to this album with no preconceived notions, with no expectations whatsoever, and I was completely won over like instantaneously by this album. I agree with... Madeline, that it's it's definitely summery. I could mm-hmm. see myself listening to this like all summer. Like I could see myself listening to this all the time because I, as soon as I was like five songs into the album, I was looking this guy's web page up and trying to see where he's playing. I wanted to see him. I wanted to hear more. And like instant fan, I'm just I cannot shut up about how much I love this album. I have I have to agree with you completely. I had the exact same reaction to the album and. I, for me, there's a lot of comparisons you can draw, but the one that just jogged in my mind was uh, the uh, the first time I was listening to the new Pornographers. I'm like, yeah, this it doesn't have exactly a mass romantic type of vibe to it, but it's that same kind of pop, little bit of power, but not over the top, really melodic, like you said, really sunny. It, 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 it just it's it's a really tight album. I think it's it's, it's well I mean, thought out. It's, 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 it's a Phrygian Matthew Sweet. See, well, actually, you aren't there in Fringe yet. <laughs> but uh, I just like to yeah. call it good. <laughs> no, it's a good descriptor. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, Andre, how did this make you feel? You know, I, I would I would agree that you know I I don't I, I can't say yet that I I love it. I think I need to give it a few more listens. Um, 
there were songs that popped out of me and the, the shimmering pop kind of stuff was, you know, nice to walk down the street to. But uh, I'm still, I haven't maybe quite found the thing that you, that you all have that, that's going to bring me back to say I, I need to sit down with this and listen to this more. Because so. what, um, like, so, so what I actually find, like, fascinating about this album and uh, which is, uh, and a lot of the albums we're going to, well, one we've already talked about, one we're going to talk about is that it sort of is all over the place, mm-hmm. but he pulls it together. I mean, it, it I comes mean, together. Th- yeah. There's, there's like, uh, again, like there's it's overall 60s, as a full 60s, album, yeah. like like the move, Jeff Lynne's like yeah. earlier bands, like like sixties like psych pop stuff like that. Uh, there's some Matthew Sweet in there. Yeah. Um, Gets a little gritty and there's some, dirty around the edges. There's some shins sometimes. in there. Yeah. There's all this stuff you recognize, um, and he makes it his own and doesn't. It doesn't ever cop to being like I'm. I mean, you know the and the guy has either played with him or just loves these bands. Yeah. Um, but as a good songwriter, like he, he incorporates all these into like how he writes songs. Yeah, I would say this is the album of all of them that I would have. I had the hardest time figuring out what it kind of sounded like. Mm-hmm. It's like it was like oh, it's poppy and fun, but like. You know, like Harmar Superstar, I knew exactly where he was pulling from, where this guy, I couldn't, or even Deer Hunter, there was more, it was a little easier sometimes to say, oh, they're just kind of pulling from that and this, and this guy mixed it together, I think, nicely, and and maybe a more of a unique way um, relative to the other stuff that we listened to for this this podcast, so. Let's let's hear another song off this and then talk a little more uh, about it, and the song is Change.
Alright, so this changed. So we played a little longer to hear the uh, the change in the song. Um, it, it literally goes from like sort of a mellow, punky, like pavement y type thing to just this full on blowout that is, uh, I mean, that's what rocking is sort of about. Yeah. Aaron, you haven't said a whole lot about this yet. So. Um, I, I think, I think. I, I'm I've been trying to figure out how to describe how I feel about it without sounding like I'm damning it with faint praise. Right. Um I think it's really good and there's an incredible amount of talent on display. Um musically it's it's not it's not my deal personally. Um mm-hmm. I think I, I'm very much in the like, yeah, let's get a convertible, let's yeah. go to the shore and like crank this on the way yeah. down there. And, you know, if we get a barbecue going and some people yeah. stop by, this would be a great r- record to put on. Yeah. Um, that said, I think part of why I'm treading lightly is because the two comparisons that I heard that were most apt are the new pornographers and the shins. Mm-hmm. And those are two bands where I recognize that there's an incredible amount of talent mm-hmm. and they're just not making music that is my deal. So, you know, I have friends who I can say, oh, yeah, you know, I know five people right now at the top of my head that are going to love this record. Much like Lena, I hate both of those bands, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just not my deal. And and but that, hate the it's, new pornographers. I don't like them. I, I think I I look at it and say, okay, it's it's like beer. I'm I like hoppy beers. Mm-hmm. If I have a Hefeweizen, this is a Hefeweizen to me. I can have a good quality Hefeweizen and say, wow, somebody put a lot of thought and a lot of work into making a really good quality beer. I'm gonna enjoy this pint. I'm not gonna ask for it every time I come to this bar, but. This is a good beer. When I get it, I'll enjoy it. Yeah. 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 It's a Hefeweizen. Yeah. Michael Cronin, if you're listening, you've made a fine Hefeweizen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Right. On that note. Let's rock. City's Full from Savages, who have just recently released their debut, Silence Yourself. Um, you're hearing my voice first on this one because it's uh, probably no surprise. I fucking love this album. Um, we mentioned uh, PJ Harvey's Rid of Me turning 20. Um, I, I think a lot of what I'm hearing in this takes me back to 
the power of the emotion of what I was feeling and experiencing when I heard that album. Um, it's not PJ Harvey's Rid of Me. It's not. It's not Nirvana's In Utero. It's not. This is Savages. They are doing their own thing. Um, people have compared that thing to Susie and the Banshees, Joy Division, uh, Mission of Burma, The Slits, um, Birthday Party, Killing Joke. I mean, they're, it's not like this just sprang out of yeah. the ether fully formed. Um, it's it's post-punk, you know. Um, but that said, I'm blown away by this band, and apparently I'm not alone. They're touring all summer. Um, they, they've been on the festival circuit. They played uh, CMJ Music Marathon in 2012. They played Coachella and South by Southwest already this year. They're playing Glastonbury, Roskilde, Pitchfork, Austin City Limits. I, I mean, it's I could not be more excited about this band because they fucking rock. Yeah. They're not screwing around with poses and leopard print t-shirts. <laughs> they're they're coming out to to hurt. And Are I you like sure it. about that? I like it a lot. Well, I saw them at South by Southwest oh, and um, I mean there was everybody was raving about them after they played the Brooklyn Vegan Party. I mean my Twitter was a buzz with just savages, savages, savages. You have to see savages. And I went to I went to the Pitchfork Showcase to see them. And yeah, they do. They fucking rock. I mean, and they're. I disagree on the posing. They do do some posing. It's just a different type of posing that you would like better. Yeah. <laughs> um, Probably very true. Uh, but so, but the other but the other thing about them is I mean it's an all girl like kick ass rock band. They do it really really well. But there's also this almost an androgyny about them when you see them because I mean you from th- far there's away. There's no androgyny in this. Yeah, but from far away, like None. if you weren't close to the stage, you'd be like, "Is that a dude playing no, guitar? No, or is that a woman?" And then just to discover that 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 person with the short hair, you know, who doesn't, you can't discern what their figure is, you know, to discover that it's all chicks, they kick ass. No, I love th- them so this much. Is, this, this is and this is an assault of estrogen. And honestly, it's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> Paul's mind is blown. <laughs> He's well, like, given, given that uh, earlier this week you were less than enthusiastic right. about the that's album, because right. I like to because you thought that Getty the... Lee was a singer. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I. That's what I thought when I heard the first song. I was like, "So did Getty Lee make a new band?" Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know how you guys, speaking to the ladies in the room, can listen to this and not spontaneously get pregnant with some barbarian's child out of the air. Like it is, it is so aggressively like Wait, estrogen. Hold on for a second. It's estrogen centric, but you think they're getting pregnant? No, like they're going to give birth to like the ultimate barbarian. Just yeah. lady. Just, I, I, I honestly don't know. I'm not understanding this. Okay. Well, anyways. What it's it makes, that thing it makes, in science where if there's no man around, the creature is like Jurassic Park. They just, the creature finds a way. The barbarian exactly. can be a lady. It's okay. <laughs> so, called Amazon. My, Michael Crichton this. is taking right. over this podcast. See, she does. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't think, uh, personally, like, I don't think the album as a whole co- coheses into something that I'm going to listen to a lot. Uh, what I do think it is is an uh, almost an which is what albums were back in the day, uh, more an ad for like you go see this band live and you're gonna have your fucking ass kicked. Yeah. And I think this because 
like you, you list all these influences, and then what I hear is why well, we played it in the beginning, Scandal, and like banging the really? walls are hard. Yeah, See, I actually, absolutely. The opening song "Shut Up" could have been on the Scandal album. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I actually hear PJ Harvey in the vocals. That was the thing that there drew that. me yep. in when I saw them. I was like, it reminds me of like the grittier, dirty PJ Harvey when she was younger. And even when she got older and started doing things edgier, you know, um, just to break away from things that had a theme, mm-hmm. I I heard that in the vocals, and I just felt like it was it was a refreshing and a like a slap in the face, you know, <laughs> like something I hadn't seen in a really long time. No, no, so, I, something I want to address real quick on this though is. Um, I, I like this album a lot. It it hits a lot of sweet spots for me. The post punk sound and you know charismatic female it's lead singer. It's not post punk though. It, it is. No, this is don't this, this don't is, don't, is, argue, don't argue. This is this. pop punk. Sh- they have they sh- sh- don't argue. They, they have an interlude where they get all like instrumentally deep. This this, this, this is, is pop. Punk. No, this is post punk. Nope. it's fine. Um, but it, it my big point here though is that it's not. That they don't posture. They do. This has been brought up before. Like, they have a manifesto on their website about how you're supposed to appreciate it. They put a sign up at their shows about turning, not just turning off your cameras, but turning off all your phones because this is supposed to be a new type of experience. We need to remember how we're experiencing art. They open the album with about a minute of a monologue from John Cassavetes' opening night. Sure. Which is calling back to uh, cinematic influence that they're taking right here, trying to tie themselves back into a more experiential, uh, independent mindset. It is very self-consciously manufactured. Yeah. And I think the music itself is good. I think that the live show is probably kick-ass. But they have been building an image very consciously for about a year now. Yeah. And they're no, now and they're now and they're now milking it. So let's not pretend that these guys have spawned fully formed from the womb of no, pure music. They here. haven't and that's why I put it as pop punk because this is this is an image this is built is built around what we want to see as like what fucking rocks. And they do. Can I don't want to listen to this album, but I want to see them live. Can I can I just yeah. take the yeah. complete opposite Attack while agreeing with most of what you said. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to throw some people under the bus here, and I'm sorry, but my mom heard us talking about dildos earlier, so it's yeah. it's time, right? So I'm in a band right now, and one of the biggest frustrations I have with my own band is that we don't have an identity because we're influenced by a lot of different things and we bring it together in a way that I think is satisfying for me but then when you try to communicate that to anyone else it's not really a specific thing I don't think there's anything wrong with people saying listen you paid 15 20 bucks to come to this show don't fucking Instagram it like there's uh, no, there's, I, there's I, plenty I of photographers I, here that are going to take pictures Pictures I, will be available. I don't spend don't. the whole fucking show on your phone. No, and I, that, that's right. Let, let me finish, though. I don't see that as being a pose. Because when I'm at oh, the 930 Club as a music consumer, 
And I've got my excellent spot on the rail upstairs. And I look down in the middle of a show where, you know, Sonic Youth is going crazy or Sharon, Sharon Van Etten's doing something that's just crisp and beautiful or whoever it is. And I look down and I see 50, 60, 70, 100 phones. And I think, okay, well, wait a minute. Did you come here to hold something that you spend all of the rest of your time walking around right. with anyway? Like, is that why you paid to come here was to take selfies of your friend? I mean, I just, yeah. I don't, it's not that I don't see there being an element of artifice in having a manifesto and describing the, it as the a ma- manifesto. The, the manifesto, or posting though, signs and saying, if, don't spend the whole show hold on, on your I, phone. But is there something wrong with saying, this is who we are, no. or, hey, you're here. You're at the thing that you've spent the whole week telling everybody how cool you're going to be. It, you put it, on it, your it, makeup but, for this, but, and now actually, you're fucking me, here. Enjoy it. But, 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 but if you're going to do that, you have to be making something that like matches, like the, is worthy of that. And what I don't think they have, I think what they've done is very fucking good. But this is not something that people are going to be like, you know what, I need to shut up and listen to it. Because you don't. You need to shut up and experience it. And if that's how people experience it, then that's how they're going to experience it. And, I mean, this is going to be, wherever you see them, a throwdown, throw elbows, get your cell phone knocked out of your hand show. And it's something that you tell your friends about. And you tell your friends about this in 2013 by taking pictures. So I think in that, and that's why I call it pop punk, because it is very... Very self-consciously manufactured, and yet they're very good. Yeah, like I, I, I think I want to just divide this up a little bit here. I think there's a difference between putting something out at the show, telling people to put their phone away, and the manifesto. And there are two different things that they've done. They've they put up signs at shows that are kind of a continuation of them, but they have multiple manu- manifestos that they've put out and called manifestos. <laughs> As press releases and on their website that are talking about not the way to experience their shows, but what they're going for in terms of an experience in the sound. It's very self-serious and it's the kind of thing that to me seems either very art school or very manufactured. No, your, your, your record speaks for itself and their record speaks very loudly as saying that they've made a good record. And I have, and I have no problem with bands wanting to forge an identity. That's been going on forever but when i see when i see people that seem like they came together you know smoked a lot of pot and then wrote a notebook full of uh this is what art should be material i kind of roll my eyes and say i guess you're 20 that's cool <laughs> but <laughs> how do you feel about that madeline yeah. now you're 21 <laughs> We're out of content, so all next month is going to be Manon's Diary. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing I don't keep one. (laughs) Um, I had a thought of what you were going to say, but then I got distracted. Um, Damn it. It's the pot and the diary, I think. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I think it's interesting that Jenny, whatever her last name is, was not... who's Who's the front woman of Savages? Was not originally supposed to be the front woman they wanted a man to be his name is johnny hostel i think who she's dating um 
the three other women in the band asked, right. approached him to be the front person, and he declined. And then Jenny was like, I would like to audition. And she's kind of become the most vocal of them, the one who reads their manifestos, and I, I think she kind of embodies what they stand for. And I just, when I was reading about that, it was it was interesting to me that she wasn't even like part of the original conception of the band. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. And, so. and, that. Yeah. and and Aaron, like, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking at me like nothing yeah. wrong with what? <laughs> that guitar looked like it was about to come off the wall and just yeah, yeah. <laughs> he swung. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I feel like your stance is that like they're doing something, and like you, you shouldn't like judge them on like being manufactured because of this. Oh, no, no. My stance is never about anything. Don't judge that person. Okay. I judge fucking everybody. All right. But I guess I look at it and I say, if you're Facebook friends with me, you're going to get some cat videos, (laughs) some band recommendations, and a bunch of shit that somebody else could consider a manifesto. Yeah. And... Is it manufactured or is it? This is what I think at one thirty when I just okay. finished yeah. okay. lunch. So, also, so you're saying, so you're saying, so you're saying, so you're saying, so you're saying it's a more immediate and less manufactured, less thought out. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't really care. Right. You know, I, I think you know one of the things that was mentioned earlier was the album opening with piece of found sound from a film and, mm-hmm. and I think of how um, how the first Mogwai album starts mm-hmm. and you know I mean we use the word manufactured everything we've talked about tonight the, right. the bands we've yeah, listened yeah. to tonight the bands we've referenced tonight everything is manufactured I, I don't want to keep coming back to my roots like I've talked about in the, yeah. the podcast 24, but I grew up in the shadow of Motown, and I know why it was called Motown. Yeah. I know why Detroit is called the Motor City. It's because things were manufactured there. Yeah. That's not a dirty word. Now, if you're the killers yeah. and the product <laughs> of your manufactured is more about guyliner and so, having a fan blow so, your so, boa back on stage. So let's. Yeah, yeah. So, so though, ultimately, it boils down to what you manufacture. Yeah. So so though, like putting out there, this is a great album. How far are they away from the killers? <laughs> a million fucking miles. Don't ask don't. the killers. <laughs> Because Whatever you do, don't no, ask the no, killers. I, not me, but uh, somebody in this room, when they first heard the killers' first album, they were like, this is fucking incredible. Well, the killers' first album was actually good. Okay, so, like, so this is their first album. So yeah. how, how far are they away from the A long the way away. Like, there's a, lot more, there's a lot more potential here, and you can't tell until they go, they go yeah. forward. But I feel like this is more of a band that's found a hook to get them more yeah. attention than a hook that's found a decent band. <laughs> I think of it more as strategic than manufactured. I, they could have been having... Is there a I, difference? I think so. Okay. Um, I, I don't see a problem with them having harvested these ideas for a while. No. And had had a plan of, we're going to release these manifestos, build up a lot of hype 
about the album mm-hmm. and like set forth before the music even comes out what we stand for and who we are. I, I, I see it as more strategic, which I guess is is similar. Is, it's similar to being and, and look, but like line manufactured line. is like in my mind, manufactured is like every coming out of a factory where everything is the same, whereas strategic is like you have your own idea and then you put it forth. Yeah, and you make, it, you make it happen, you know. I guess it would be similar to like the Besnard Lakes album, yeah. which we talked about last week. Yeah. Or last time, where it's like they were very strategic and like here's it seemed like they were here's what we're gonna do and we're gonna go for it, you know. And they executed on that, yeah. you know, and and the savages just had a different you know, strategy or things. And, and to be clear, for, I, you know? I'm sort yeah. of being a dick about this because, no, 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 because it, you know, it is like there, there is nothing important in music, and there is everything important in music. So, if you that was really deep, man. No, I mean it is because because Whoa. what? <laughs> no, because because what they're doing doesn't impact realistically like anything. But somebody's going to hear that, and then. Paul's saying wrap it up. He's like, shit. Well, we've, we've been rambling here. Yeah. Are we going to listen to We should listen to another song. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's Sign off of uh, Savages. Uh, 
get, gets down into the part of the album that actually I, I don't like, but it makes the album, it gives it some dynamics, I guess. You know, when, they, when they're trying to get, I mean, and it's not it's not them, it's just a personal preference for me. Any band that gets into this, like, I am auditioning for the Crow soundtrack. <laughs> you know, I, I, I need you to stop insulting the Crow soundtrack. <laughs> well, then we're remaking it, and people are actively auditioning for the Crow soundtrack. So, as well, they should be. be. It's a badass soundtrack. Excuse me. They're remaking. They're remaking the Crow. Okay. They're 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 because, gonna kill because the Valerie again. Valerie because it can't ring oh, all the time. <laughs> what, too soon? Oh, too soon for Brandon Lee? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's always too soon. Should we uh, close it on that note? Well, I mean, la- last thoughts on Savages. Any? They kick ass. Right. Agreed. I think. Let's say go I, see them live. I, I think, you know, if you're in D.C. on the 13th, for our friends in New York, they're playing Webster Hall on the 11th. For our friends July. in Montreal, July 15th, they're playing La Tulip. For our friends in Toronto, they're playing the Mod Club. Wow! On July 16th, memorize their tour dates. I I I happen to have some insight into who might be listening to podcast 25. So I want to make who, sure international sure audience that everybody other than my mom knows where this <laughs> band is playing. You know? No, I I don't. I, I think how, how many shows are you going to? I'm definitely going to D.C. I think I'm going to try to get. Uh, Webster Hall and Middle East nice. in uh, in Boston because I've never been there. Um, but I, I think as much as anything, uh, there's a band that I haven't mentioned that there's two bands that I haven't mentioned that kind of are the sides of the coin that I wonder about. Um, the Constantines. I don't know if anybody's yeah, familiar yeah, with the Constantines. I, I fucking love them. I feel like Savages could have a a lengthy Constantines-esque we do what we want we play a bunch of different stuff mm-hmm. as we figure out sort of the far crevices of our sound and our influences and our interests um, I, I, I do worry a little bit that another band from the UK called Black Party that I was really <laughs> excited about yeah. their debut album yeah. um, might be in the cards for Savages but I think uh Ultimately, they kick more ass than Block Party. So they absolutely do party. That. They kick more ass than Block Party, and I'm I'm pretty confident that they're they're gonna. But go they're a lot more concerned on. about being popular than Constantine's. Yep. So, All right. So let's go around the horn. To White Snake. Thank you, sir. I bought it. I've uh, made sensuous love to it many times, and I will continue to as my days progress. All right, so we weren't asking that, thank you for the information, Andre. (laughs) We now do we have a second? Way too much about Andre. Uh, Deer Hunter, Andre. I'm gonna I'm gonna stream it because I I like about half the album. So I'll also stream it. Stream it. Stream it. Hopefully heard it for the last time. Yeah, yeah I'm going to pass. <laughs> Done. Uh, let's go with Harmar. I'm going to stream that one as well. I'm, I'm still uh, on the fence as I was talking about with my, my little dilemma there, so I'm going to continue on. But I'm Paul, not sure where Paul's Paul, you don't have answer. We'll never listen to it again. <laughs> Sure, it's not just love <laughs> that you're feeling. 
as much as Harmar scarred me seeing him live, I oh the album was oh enjoyable. So I say stream it. Mm. Okay, stream. I listen to the album. I'm gonna pass for me, but you should stream it. <laughs> Put me down to stream it. I'm gonna buy that shit. Yeah. Oh. The only person who will buy yeah. that album is Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only album he's gonna buy. Chunky now. Brothers gotta stick yeah. together. <laughs> Uh, Michael Cronin. I'm going to stream that one as well. I'm still on the fence on that one as well. Buy it. Stream it. Buy it. Buy it now. Listen to it a million times and then go see him at Comet Ping Pong on June 21st. Boom. I'm going to buy it, but I'm going to leave it in the rental after we come back from Ocean Sounds City. Good to me. Convertible, top down. It's a good look. It's a strong look. Already bought me. Savages. I think I'm going stream across the board. I'll right. stream that one as well. Buy it. Buy it. The vinyl is beautiful. Buy oh, it. Come on. Really? For other reasons, but also the seeing the vinyl had my okay. buy finger. Yeah, buy it. Just buy it already. In case there's any ambiguity about an album that I listened to, no joke, six times today, 11 songs, 38 minutes, I'm buying it. I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to buy it. And if the next album turns out to be like the last Tegan and Sarah album, I'm going to fashion it into a throwing star and pretend pretend to be shooting the band and then assassinate them all. So, Where did Tegan and Sarah come from there? No, he has this weird, it's pop. Hi, I'm Tayan. And I'm Sarah. (laughs) All right, so that is the... 25th podcast. Andre should probably cue. Yes. Right, we're just, we're just going out on this. A little different New times. Time. Quarter century something. Quarter life crisis. Hi, right, guys. Uh, thank you guys for coming to the basement. Madeline, I'm glad you survived. Me too. And then we'll, uh, we'll see you in number 26. Yeah.